Well, that, that's a great song and one of my favorite. Um, but I do say, men, we need a little work on that. We need, we need a little work. Yeah. I'm including myself. If I have to sing, Lord, have mercy in all of our souls. Um, let us go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's dive into our text this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we ask for your blessing on our time together now as we explore your scriptures, expound on your scriptures, God, your holy word written to us, given to us, um, uh, to build us up, to encourage us in the faith, to spur us on to good deeds, to loving you, and most importantly, to becoming more and more like you, Lord Jesus, knowing you more and more intimately. God, I thank you and pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we uh, this morning are going to talk about everyone's favorite subject, which is sin. And everyone's like, yes, sin. I really, I'm so glad we're going to talk about that. But hear me out because I think it is going to, I think one, it matters. I think two, it's really important. And I do think three, it's going to be encouraging by the time we get to the end. Why talk about sin? Well, we're going to talk about what is sin. I think we need to know that. And, and where does it come from? And in fact, I think this is one of the most important questions um, we need to ask as human beings. Why? Because we deal with it all the time. Now, there are different ideas of, of sin and its source found throughout our world and our culture? Um, is it an external thing that, that happens to us? Is it something that comes externally that we have to deal with, that we run into? Sort of. Um, but I don't think that's exactly true. I think we see that, that sin is more of, of an internal thing. Something we're born with, not something that externally uh, happens to us, though it does. We run into sin throughout our lives from different people. But it's something that comes from inside. And if we take a look at the Christian worldview, sin starts within. And there's something very important about that. There's a sin nature that we have as God's people that we have to deal with, just as human beings. And Jesus is going to tell us that, that, that because sin comes from inside of us, is a very part of who we are, it is devastating to us. It is a, a matter of the heart, not a matter of outside sources, forces against us. Um, and I think that we know that this is true. I'm going to have River put up a video here in just a second. And I think that if we think about sin, we know that it's something that comes from what's inside of us. Because who here has had young kids? You know, when they're like nine months old, and you're like, I had a little sinner. I, I had a little sinner, right? And why don't, River, why don't you throw that video up? This is the uh, OG uh, video here. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie bit me. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> 
Charlie bit me. And that really hurt Charlie and it's still hurting. Alright, so we have one of the OG original videos of YouTube, which makes me, those kids are like growing up now and I'm like, I'm getting old. Right? But you have little Charlie, he's like a year and a half, and him and his brother are messing around, he bites him, and he thinks it's so funny to bite his little brother's finger and cause him pain. Sin comes from within. There's no doubt about it. Even at a young age, you see it start to spill out into our lives. So sin comes within. It's a big deal. We run into it all the time. We deal with it all the time in our lives. It affects us on a daily basis. You probably sin this morning when you're getting your kids ready for church, maybe, or your kids sin. It happens all the time. So if sin is something that we are dealing with so often, let's see what Jesus is going to tell us this morning, where this sin comes from, and then we're going to talk about how we can deal with it. We're going to be going uh, to Matthew, and as we preach through the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, and I would love for you to turn there in your Bibles. That's Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Let's open up God's word together. Matthew 15, uh, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, it says this. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you should have gained from me is given to God, he indeed not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me? In vain do they worship me, teaching as the doctrines, the commandments of men? And he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard your saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person? For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So what is is Jesus getting at here? Well, 
we're going to see, number one, as Jesus interacts with the Pharisees and religious leaders, that sin is defined by Scripture, not by man. The Pharisees have an issue, and they're kind of thinking about sin in a different way that's defined by their own traditions and not by God's Word, okay? Now, what are they getting at? What Jesus is getting at? We don't please God by outward actions and appearances, um, that's what the Pharisees thought. And by the way, every religious and self-help movement besides Christianity teaches that our main issue as human beings are our external circumstances and external actions. It is the natural inclination of the human heart to try to fix the outside in order to fix the inside. Every world religion, by the way, every self-help movement from Buddhism to communism focuses on fixing the externals to fix what we got going on. But we don't have an external problem, namely, we have an internal problem, our hearts. So our text starts off today with the Pharisees. They're once again, they're mad at Jesus like they have been for the past eight chapters. They're upset with his disciples because they aren't following their uh, man-made kind of interpretation of the scriptures and what they added to it. Um, and then they say this, they come in in verse 1. Then the Pharisees and the scribes, they come to Jesus from Jerusalem, so they're traveling to have this confrontation with Jesus, and they say to him, Jesus, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. Let's unpack this a little bit. There's a lot going on here. First of all, does Jesus have an issue with hygiene? Is this a hygiene issue? What do you guys think? No, it's, it's not an issue. That'd be gross. I'd be like, Jesus, you, you should wash your hands. There's germs, right? Hygiene's not the issue. That's not what's happening here. Um, what's happening here is the Pharisees and the religious leaders they have put together this kind of interpretation of God's word of the Old Testament, and they've made these kind of rules and changes to it. And, and, and this is the tradition of the elders that Jesus is talking about, or that they're talking about. And basically what they've done is they've looked at God's perfect law, uh, looked at the Old Testament, and they've made a bunch of commentary on how a good Jewish person was supposed to do these things. Now, the problem is, there's nothing wrong with, with thinking through Scripture, but the problem is, is a lot of what they've said is actually a misunderstanding of the law and actually teaches false, uh, extra kind of biblical things that aren't actually in there. So they have an issue. And, and even some of what they teach, we're going to see, runs contrary to what God has taught. And so they're replacing God's word with their own thoughts that in some ways run contrary to the law of God. That's the case here. So this, this hand washing was, was a ritual that the Pharisees would do. They'd come down to the table and they would just quick rest their hands before they ate. And what they were doing is they were thought that they were showing the world, look, we're clean, we're, we're clean. Look at, look at how good we are. We're going to rinse our hands before we eat to show the world that we got it all together. We are righteous. We did the ceremonial hand washing. So that's what's being talked about here. 
And so they're saying, Jesus, why aren't you washing your hands in the ceremonial hand washing? And Jesus is going to turn the question around on them, and he's going to say, why are you putting these rules and these, these ideas in place of my word that runs contrary to my word? You need to follow what God says. So he turns the question around on them. They're made up rules, and this is what he says to them. He says this. Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So why do you break God's word for the sake of your own rules? For God commanded, and now he's going to bring up an area where the Pharisees break these rules, God's rules. He says, God's word says, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say... Contrary to God's word, but you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you should have gained for me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, he says. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you when he said this? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So what's going on here? Jesus is pitting what the Pharisees are teaching against what God's word teaches. And he's saying, you are actually doing something that goes against my word. And he starts talking about parents. And here he's referring um, to everything that God's law says about honoring and taking care of Parents, he's, he's bringing up in this text Exodus 20.12, for example, or Deuteronomy 5.16, or Exodus 21.17, or Leviticus 29. There's all sorts of scripture on this. And here's what he's saying. In God's law, in the Old Testament, children were supposed to take care of and honor their parents. And even as parents aged, they were to provide for their parents as their parents provided for them. There was no nursing homes. There was no social security. Uh, Parents lived at home with their children. And children were in charge of providing for their parents. Well, the Pharisees made a really convenient rule. They said, well, the money we were going to take to provide for our parents, we set aside for God. We wouldn't have to give that money and spend that money on our parents. And so they would set aside that money for God, which ran contrary to God's law. But the the kicker was, was that when their parents died, they could actually undesignate that money and take it back. And that's what they would do. So they would worm their way around following God and then giving that money to honor and take care of their parents. And so Jesus is like, what, what are you doing? You're going against what God's law teaches because of your own tradition. They changed the rules. And why did they do it? They're trying to look righteous on the outside. Taking care of your parents is really hard if you've ever taken care of aging parents. Providing for them is difficult. But if they can set up some rules like washing hands or or giving money, designating that money to God, they look externally, they look good on the outside. What they've done, when Jesus here is quoting from Isaiah, they've turned following God from from a covenant relationship to a set of their own rules and traditions. Pharisees and the teachers of the laws have displaced the the true religion of the heart, verse 8, of the entire personality and will with the religion of form. 
Therefore, their worship is in vain, verse 9, Jesus says. They're teaching their own ideas with nothing of God's authority behind it. It's their own ideas, their own traditions. By the way, this is a natural human tendency. We, we want to do this all the time. We, we just want to make our own rules so we can follow them because they're easier to follow than God sometimes. But what this is revealing to us and what Jesus is going to get at is this is showing that we have a heart issue. We have a heart issue. Sin is not caused by things that happen to you or external forces like not washing your hands as the Pharisees thought, but it is an internal problem at the very core of our being. In the Pharisees' mind, sin was addressed by outward appearance, looking right, doing right, acting right. But sin is so much deeper than that. It's a matter of the heart, Scripture says. Sin lies at the very core and nature of who you are, and it marks every single one of us since the fall of mankind. Out of the heart flows our actions, Jesus says. That sin comes to the surface from within. And what we're going to see is we need a pure heart in order to live in a way that pleases God. But we don't have a pure heart. And that's our issue. That's our problem. And so Jesus starts out using a metaphor tied into the Pharisees' question of hand washing. And this is what he says, verses 10 and 11. And he called the people to him and said to them, now these people, these are probably his disciples and some other followers. They've stepped away from the Pharisees. He says this, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth, so not what comes from the outside in that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth or from the outside outward, this defiles a person. Jesus is reiterating, it's not outside circumstances. That's not your problem. You are the problem. And then the disciples, um, they, they, later on, they request, they say, Jesus, can you flush this out a little bit, explain this a little bit more? By the way, this does not reveal that they're obtuse. Um, the Pharisees were held in very high regard by Jewish people, and they're like, Jesus, we want to make sure and understand what you're teaching about this, because this seems confusing. And they even say, Jesus, you've, you've offended the Pharisees by saying this. You've hurt their feelings. They want Jesus to flesh this idea out a little bit more. So Jesus, in private, he's going to say this to them. Starting in verse 17, we're going to skip down a little bit and come back. So verse 17, Jesus says this to them, fleshing this idea out. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? We won't go into details on that, but if you've done biology, you kind of know what happens. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Our sin is something insidious inside of us. A theologian uh, used this, this term, this theological term, called total depravity. As human beings, we are totally depraved because of our sin and rebellion against God since the fall of mankind. We are totally wicked. Our hearts aren't just sick. Our hearts aren't just sick, but they are totally corrupt. 
as the prophet Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jesus tells us it's out of this heart, which, by the way, it's just a biblical talk for, for the inner man that our sinful and wicked deeds flow. From the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is an exhaustive list. Jesus is saying that all of your sin comes from there. Now, many of you know and you've heard um, that our sewer line broke. Like, I, like, and it was kind of a big deal. I, I walked in on Monday morning, and, and I walked into this. Like, if our church was a Titanic, it would have sunk. Like, there's like three inches of water, in the, two, three inches of water in the basement. Um, by the way, just, just a shout out to our trustees. Um, put in hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of time to get us so we could have church this Sunday. So Josh and Jason um, and um, Jerry and... Um, Don was here, and Bill, um, thank you guys. You, you put in so much time so we could be here. But why, why do I bring this up? This is an illustration of what Jesus is getting at. Okay? So that, that's water that came out of the sewer, right? And if we were to go and clean that water up, we got it pumped, we suck it all out, Jerry came in, he disinfected everything, um, and, and, and we didn't fix the main problem, what would happen? We'd be right in the same boat. Sewage would come back up, and Josh would be here in his boots, and he'd be sucking water out into the street at like 7 o'clock, right? Um, so what was it? The problem is not the water. The water is a symptom of the problem. It shows us there's a problem. It's a big deal, but the problem lies underneath, and it's in our sewer line. It was blocked. It was clogged. It was a hot mess. This is what Jesus is getting at. The symptoms are sin that bubbles up to the surface is a problem, but the main problem, just like their sewer line, is what lies within us. It's what lies within us. You can keep cleaning the outside, but it's not going to fix the problem. It is going to come back over and over and over. The sewer water is going to come back. You can clean the outside of yourself, but if you don't address your heart issue, you are never going to be clean. You are never going to be right. You are never going to be whole. It's the same with us. We need to fix the inside. The Pharisees and religious leaders were concerned about the symptom, the outward appearance, but weren't looking at the true nature of the problem which lies within. For the church, it's the broken sewer pipe. For us, it is our broken hearts that need to be fixed. Thirdly, we see from this text that Jesus warns us to beware of those who teach a false doctrine of sin. Jesus is warning us of religious leaders, and he's warning the religious leaders as well about the importance of sin and not teaching falsely on sin. And Jesus has some very harsh words for the Pharisees and religious leaders. And even the disciples are like, Jesus, you offended them. And he did, um, but it, he's doing it because this is very important. And Jesus is going to use two images of condemnation to address the religious leaders when warning us about not following those who teach a false doctrine of sin and salvation. The first one, verse 13, Jesus is predicting the rooting up of any plant that is not planted by the Father. He's not talking about plants, but of people. He says this in verse 13, and he answered, 
Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. God is going to root up and destroy all of those who teach falsely. He's going to destroy all of those who teach falsely on sin and salvation because we're going to see they are leading people away from God, not towards God. The second image, verse 14, um, the Jewish leaders like to give themselves uh, the title of the leader of the blind. We have the law, they said, and we're leading the blind to God. And Jesus says, no, you're not. He says, you are blind guides leading the blind, the blind leading the blind, verse 14. He says, let them alone. Leave these types of teachers alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both fall into a pit. Don't follow them. They are going to lead you astray, away from God, not toward God. The doctrine of sin and salvation are so important to Jesus. They are at the very heart and core of his message because he knows we can't fix the outside. Only he can fix the inside. And he wants people to come to him, have relationship with God, to fix the problem. And he doesn't want people to be led astray. So he warns us, takes seriously the teaching on sin and salvation. As we wrap up, I know talking about sin is not fun, but it is important to understand our sin nature in order to understand our salvation. Knowing the problem allows us to know our need for a solution. Just like with the sewer line, if we didn't know the problem, we could not fix it and remedy and come up with a solution so that we don't have that issue happen again. And it's the same with us. We sin because our hearts are wicked. It's the very nature of who we are. And this is bad news, very bad news. Scripture says that our sin separates us from God, keeps us out of heaven. We can't have relationship with a holy, holy, perfect God because we have a sin nature. It is our biggest problem as human beings. But there is good news. Fedor Dortsetsky says this, There is no sin, and there can be no sin on all the earth, which the Lord will not forgive to the truly repentant. Man cannot commit a sin so great, so, as, uh, so great as to exhaust the infinite love of God. There can be no sin which could exceed the love of God. And this is true. Sin is a dire problem. It is a great problem, but we have a greater Savior, and that is Jesus. He gets at the heart of our issue. He fixes our broken heart. He redeems us and restores us. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus came not just to fix external stuff or teach us uh, good things, which he did, but the primary reason he came was to die on our behalf as a substitutionary death for us. So that by faith, when we trust in him, we are fully forgiven from our sin. But not only that, he deals with the inner man. Scripture says he gives us a new heart, a clean heart, a pure heart that beats for God. He fills us with his Holy Spirit to help us to walk in his ways. And he begins the process of cleansing us from the inside out, fixing us, restoring us, redeeming us, not through our power because we cannot do it, but fully and wholly through his great power and his great might. We have a major problem 
but we have an amazing Savior who will fix it for us. All we have to do is come to him by faith. Secondly, the scripture teaches us that knowing where our sin comes from allows us to address sin in our lives. If we think it's just an external force issue, um, we, can't, we can't fix it. Um, we, can't, we can't solve it. This gives us the ability to deal with our sin. We, can solve our pro- we can't solve our problem if we don't know what it is. We don't need to clean up the outside. We need transformation from the inside out that comes through that new heart and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness of our sin is found in Jesus. But not only is the forgiveness found, but so is our transformation. Now, we will never become completely perfect and sinless in this life. That happens at the second coming of Jesus or when we die to go be with him so we can spend an eternity with him. But Jesus and the scriptures promise that the sanctification process, which this is a big word for becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less sinful in our life, begins at salvation. We believe in progressive sanctification. Once you come to faith, you begin to cleanse that sin that is in your life. You become more like Jesus. Scripture teaches, 2 Thessalonians 2.13 on this. But we ought also to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God shows you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So you're saved and then sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth comes next. Colossians 3.1 and, and verse 5. If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So if we know the problem and we have faith, we know we need renewal from the inside, not cleansing from the outside. And we can find that in putting our faith in Jesus and going deeper into our relationship with him. Thirdly is this. We will be tempted to listen to those who have a weak understanding of sin. This is the human nature since the beginning of time when Adam listened to Eve and Eve listened to the serpent. It has been our, one of our main problems. It is our human tendency to minimize the effects of the fall and sin. We see this in some churches from some pastors where sin is not even an issue to be discussed. Um, it's just about being nice and doing nice things. Sin is never brought up focusing on the exterior, but if we don't have this doctrine, we never get to the atoning death of Jesus. And as a culture, we've basically gotten rid of the doctrine of sin altogether. There's no such thing as sin in a postmodern culture. We are bombarded by this message all the time. There's no such thing as right and wrong. There's just your truth and my truth. This is an insidious lie that we deal with on a daily basis, and it is a lie from Satan. It makes it difficult to take our sins seriously. It makes it difficult to point people to Christ and their need for a Savior when they don't think they have any issues or problems at all, let alone something as serious as total depravity and our sin nature. And Jesus warns us, brothers and sisters, to be careful not to go down that road because it is led by blind guides and it only leads us into a pit. Instead, Jesus says, Focus on me. Yes, the bad news is bad, but the good news is even greater. So don't focus on that. My encouragement for you as we leave, focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him, the author of your faith, who is redeeming, restoring you, has saved you through his shed blood so that one day 
Sin will be no more, and you can be like him. God, I thank you. God, it's hard to hear the bad news of sin, of our sin nature. God, there are people I know that are sitting in the pews this morning who have been sinned against in ways that have hurt them deeply. God, and I know that there are people sitting in the pews this morning that have sinned and have hurt others or themselves deeply and are ashamed. God, I say this not to shame anyone, but to point out the fact that we're all in the same boat. God, help us to not try to focus on just fixing up the exterior, putting a Band-Aid on something that can't be fixed, but to see you, the glorious Christ, the atoning death, for us, so that we may be made right with God. May we dive deeper into our relationship with you. God, maybe someone this morning has never had put their faith in you. God, I pray right now for that person that they see the desperate need for a Savior to save them from their sin, to renew the interior so that the exterior can be fixed. God, that right now they put their faith and trust in you. God, thank you for loving us so much that you even died for us. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name.